Hello, this is Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and you are listening to Conversations with Smart, Amazing Women. Each and every week we bring you to uh, bring a woman who's an expert in so many different areas that can help you. How about staying fit and vital, staying current with uh, the way your passion, purpose, and all those things that make you interesting and exciting, your business, your finances, things that really help you every single day of your life to be organized, to feel good about what you're doing, and to feel like you are growing and just continue to be better and better each and every day. Something that we don't talk about in our society a lot is how we feel about our looks, especially as we're growing, growing older. You know, nearly every week we talk about how the media portrays the ideal woman. We go to the, to the checkout stand. There's TVs, magazines, and advertising all continue to try to sell us how to stay young and how to stay beautiful, especially if we want to be loved. And young girls are still growing up with the princess, the princess syndrome. We see all these princess parties and all these little girls saying they want to be a fairy princess. And women as young as 40 are starting to feel invisible without their youth. And again, this is what Women Speak is all about, is helping women to feel visible. Well, this week, my amazing guest, Dr. Vivian Diller, has co-written a book on this, on this very subject. It's called Face It, What w- Women Really Feel Like As Their, their Looks Change. This book uh, looks at the beauty paradox our culture has given to us. Our competence defines and empowers us versus keep youthful beauty no matter what. Vivian examined the change in her own self-esteem very closely as she made the life transition from a national model, fashion model, to a clinical psychologist. Uh, Dr. Diller works with all ages in her private practice in New York City but a natural focus of her work is helping young adults, dancers, models, actors, and athletes who struggle as their age, as they age out of their youth-oriented professions. Vivian has also consulted with others and written articles on beauty, aging, eating disorders, models, and dancers. She continues to use her unique perspective on self-esteem as a young model and research in, into how what and what, and what those changes. Are with time. In fact, there is, this is one of the missions of her new book, to show women how they can really enjoy our changing looks. And the six psychological steps in the book help women change the way they see themselves, not their faces. So please help me welcome Dr. Vivian Diller to Conversations with Smart, Amazing Women. Thank you for being with us, Vivian. Well, Vivian, thank you so much for being with me today. As, as I was chatting with you a little bit earlier, uh, there's so many similarities between the research that we've done, but thank you so much for being here. You're very welcome. I appreciate the opportunity to share this message. Yeah, this this is a very important message and one that we, 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 we just need to keep getting across. But, you know, I think the most important message uh, is to help to help people understand why People do the things they do. I know why I do. I, I know why I'm doing what I'm doing, and you know why you're doing it. But that personal story, I think, is such an important piece. That journey that we all take, 
that helps us to uh, to understand why we're doing the things we're doing. But your personal story is so very, very important in regard to this book. So I, uh, I, I guess I could start there. Yeah, like. that's a great place to start. Um, you know, one of the reasons I wrote this book was because I had spent such a um, intense period of time in my young life uh, in the world of professional dance and then modeling where right. uh, these are worlds where beauty is elevated to disproportionate importance. Right. And it was in leaving the, that world and moving into uh, becoming a psychologist that I really learned in the transition the variety of roles that uh, looks can play in life. I tell a, a, a story, an anecdote that highlighted for me how complicated uh, beauty uh, and role of looks play. I, while I was in graduate school, I was still modeling in order to support paying for my graduate school. Right. So I would sometimes go from a uh, modeling shoot or a commercial, uh, head to my uh, seminar, and I would wash off all my makeup, put my portfolio in a shopping bag, run to my seminar, put my hair in a ponytail, hoping someone would take me seriously. Yeah. And I thought maybe this was just me. That was back in the late 70s, early 80s. And I was thinking, you know, maybe I'm just so confused or, or feel so, you know, at odds with beauty and brains. But then when I'd go from my, my uh, seminars, to a modeling shoot, the, the booking or the age, the casting agent would tell me, you know, you might think about putting away those books yeah. because they just might get the wrong message. Huh. So it was way back then in my 20s that I already began to think this whole issue of one's looks and the psychology behind what women feel about their appearance, someone's got to write about it. And in psychology, truly, it is dismissed as an irrelevant issue. Most yeah. psychologists, what they tend to say about the whole topic is, well, it's your insides that count. And I say, I, I agree. I understand. That's really the goal. But we live in a culture uh, that is so obsessed with youth and beauty that we have to help women come to terms with the role their looks will play yeah. in our yeah. culture today. Well, and as you said, though, the marketplace is really drives everything that we see and we do and we feel about ourselves, and, and again, we're inundated with it each and every day. Now, but as you said, okay, you know, we were talking about our ages here just recently, but, but you know, I don't think, you know, what you're saying is we, we don't really talk about it. You know, uh, you know, in fact, that was probably when I did my research and asking women, about how they felt like felt how did they feel as they were growing older in a youth oriented society it was it was almost a, a relief and I think this is what you write about too but it was a relief that finally somebody asked the questions or finally somebody even cared to listen to what they had to say because because you know nobody never had ever asked them that before well that and and this is the context within which I think it is difficult to talk about. Uh, we as baby boomers, I think you're a baby boomer, uh, you know, all those 78 million of us who were born, be, you know, from I think it's 1945 to 1965, we were brought up with the belief, the emphasis that followed the feminist revolution. 
right? We were brought up to believe that our looks shouldn't matter. We were brought up to believe that our other accomplishments and assets would take a front seat. And then what happens? Here we are living life well beyond any grandparent or great-grandparent did. And the age expectancy is now much longer. And suddenly we find ourselves thinking, why are we preoccupied by our looks when that was not supposed to matter? Looks were supposed to be less important. Mm -hmm. So we found this generation of, of women caught between two very paradoxical poles. On one hand, you know, looks were not supposed to take precedence. On the other hand, they matter quite a lot. We're told by our media and culture that without our youthful looks, we will lose our, our, our jobs, our mates, our position in life. Yeah, yeah. So I think talking about it, and I even found this when I did the interviews for my book, the, the initial reaction to the question, so tell me what you feel, is not really always what women feel. When you give surveys out, you know, when these magazines put out the, the questionnaires, how do you feel? Or I write on Huffington Post, and I sometimes will pose a question. When on the surface you get the response, oh, I'm doing fine, or, you know, I struggle, but it's really okay now. Yeah, yeah. You have to look a little beyond and recognize that women are programmed to feel defensive about this question. And the statistics, the, the rise in plastic surgery, the rise of depression, the increased use of medication, the eating disorders, alcohol use, I can't ignore those. Those statistics are telling me that this issue runs much deeper than we would yeah. like, that yeah. it touches off some part of the very core uh, part of our identity mm -hmm. that was wrapped into, no matter what role beauty played yeah. for you. Now, I'm sure I was a model and a dancer, so it was part of my profession. Yeah. Now, I'm not talking about those women, because those women have a particular issue. But I'm talking about your everyday woman who walks into my office and there is a great relief when you give them permission to say, of course your aging appearance is going to impact you. You can talk about that like you talk about any change in your life, the way it feels when your children leave home, you know, when, you're, uh, you know, when your relationship is difficult. When your looks change, that is a shift in identity. Yeah. Well, Vivian, you know, as I said, I did research also, and I guess, you know, we can compare notes here a little bit, but... Uh, talking to a thousand women all over the United States, and they range from the age of 20 to 80 plus years old. So you know you get a real perspective on each age group. Yeah. Also, as they start to look at the, you know, 20 year olds are kind of look, you know, it's almost kind of like deer in the headlights. You know, they really aren't there yet. You know, they're they're still trying to figure yeah, out. You know, her research went younger and older. I yeah. I actually had interviewed more women below the age of 35, I targeted 35 to 65. Right. But, they're, but I they're, actually think this is yeah. an issue that's striking women. What, what were the major things that you heard? Because I know that when I, talked, when I talked to women of all ages, they had certain things, and especially in their age groups, that they tended to be more concerned about. But, you know, growing older uh, definitely is, is, is a fear of many, many women of all ages. Well, you know, the... The research I did for my book has now been expanded because I've been doing 
um, I've been writing and speaking now for the past year to much larger age groups. But I'll tell you what I've noticed in that 20 to 35 age group that I didn't study, and then I'll tell you what I found mostly with the women I, I worked with for the book. The women between 20 and 35, they say they do think about aging. They say it um, in a way that feels different than that group in the mid-30s, 40s, and 50s. They're talking about it as if they're anticipating with fear what their parents are going through which is why I tell these parents that they owe it to the next generation to provide good models because those young people now, they're growing up without some of the benefits we had when we fought the beauty pressure, meaning this. What I hear is younger people say there is no time where they feel they're not under a certain amount of scrutiny, whereas we, baby boomers, there was the gym, there was when you went to sleep, there was when you went to work. You didn't feel under the kind of pressure that now 20 and 30-year-olds are saying they have Victoria's Secret for when they go to sleep and they have Lululemon when they go to the gym. And they, you know, they feel that beauty is a pressure they feel 20 yeah, years Yeah, they feel it all the time. All the time. Right. So it'll be very interesting whether they actually feel even more strongly than we do that an aging appearance is troublesome. The highest increase, by the way, in plastic surgery is below the age of 30. Really? The highest increase. The highest number is still uh-huh. middle age. But the steepest increase... Well, do you think um, that, though, has a lot to do... Uh, you're, you're talking about not having role models, but isn't, doesn't that have a lot to do with the marketplace? Because, I mean, they've started younger and younger with the models as far as what they're already needing to do, you know, as far as yes, uh, creams think, uh, and, and procedures and everything else. Yes. Uh, in in um, I wrote a piece that went viral for a while called um, uh, Is Real Really In? And I wrote that with the hope that uh, Hollywood would begin to to show the younger generation that there's something attractive about real. Uh, because unless the media introduces it very early, those young people are going to think that even a first wrinkle is a sign of uh-oh. Yeah, what it's I time to, the, yeah. In the older group, you know, the, the group that I studied, what they said, when they had their uh-oh moment, you know, that moment where they feel that, uh, you know, I'm, something looks different, what I looked at was it wasn't the first time that they saw gray hair or a first wrinkle, like that younger group I was talking about. This mm-hmm. middle-aged group, they said they had an uh-oh moment when they felt there was sort of no turning back, which is a very different psychological experience. Your first gray hair, some people pull them out. Your right. first wrinkle, you think, well, I got makeup. I can. Yeah. Uh, maybe they start, start with Botox. But there are, are women that turn a certain point, and I know I had this much earlier in my life because I was a ballet dancer that stopped dancing and a modeling a model who stopped modeling. So I feel like I, I experienced that very much earlier in my life when something sort of fundamental about your life is going to change and there's no going backwards. Yeah. And that's yeah. the time when it seems like women panic. Sure. Well, I mean, I remember also, you know, as far as the energy, you not having the energy or, you know, and I think this is something, especially when I talk to younger women, 
is they're terrified of not being able to do it all. They're terrified of not having the energy uh, and, you know, the, the fire, you know, in, in yeah. their 20s that they're now, they don't have it in their 30s. They're, they're saying this, this is more terrifying in some ways. It's just not to have those same qualities, that same, you know, the, the same energy and, and passion, and it's, it's very frightening. Right. Now, the, the, the irony in this is if you spend too much energy trying to stay young, or trying to look younger, mm-hmm. the less energy, I believe, we really have for feeling and looking great at our age. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I know as a dancer, you know, when you were trying too hard to hold on, you see this sometimes with retiring athletes, the people who decide that I'm a big baseball fan, so I've been watching Pettit, his decision to end pitching, you know, yeah. at the prime of his career, if you try to hold on to what you once were, and I then translate that to all women, this is not just dancers and models, mm-hmm. but anyone who tries to be what they once were, and you don't think so much about this when you're in your 20s and 30s, because you have to actually hit that uh-oh moment where you've turned a corner. Um, that turning of the corner requires in the six steps I describe in Face It, my book, it requires a mourning process, a letting go. It's a psychological disconnection from an aspect of your identity. Now, that yeah. doesn't mean you let go of how you look or you sure. let go taking care yeah, of you yourself. Don't gi- you don't give up. You, you continue right. to, to work, with the, with, work with all the positives that you have. But Okay, so grieving and and. Well, you know, I guess that is part of it. You you definitely have to look at your youth, and then you're moving into a new area of your life, which can be very, very wonderful, but yet you do have to allow yourself to grieve. If you don't do that, and I, the reason I highlighted it in the book about changing looks is sometimes women don't understand. Men are feeling this too, by the way. I, I've gotten sure, calls during some radio shows you know, where a guy will call and say, what are you talking about women oh, as if they were a, a totally <laughs> yeah. different breed? Yeah, they, <laughs> I mean, I've been asked also, too. when are you, you going to write the book for men? It's, well, it's our turn now. Say, but um, I, I highlight for women that there is a particular kind of mourning that has is related to your self-image that we don't often think about. You know, we think about letting go of children or letting go of some activities that we used to engage in. Mm-hmm. But there's actually a mourning process of letting go of a youth, an image you associate with youth. One of the ste- things I ask them to do in the steps is think of a time during which you thought of yourself as most attractive. And it's not always the same. It's not always 20s. Or it's, it's different for different women. But I ask them, have an image in mind of when you felt most attractive. Frequently, it's when they're most happy. Sometimes it's on their wedding day, sometimes it's, you know, when they remember some event in their life. Or, and I say to them, you're going to have to mourn that. doesn't mean you don't have it in your memory. Or you look at that picture and it doesn't bring back happy memories. But if you try to keep that, that physical image, Uh then you're not allowing yourself to change. And change you will. 
Mm-hmm. Whether women, you like it or not. Yeah, and the women who try to hold on to that image with plastic surgery in some dramatic way, they don't report being happy. I have yet, I've, I've, I've talked to a lot of women that have plastic surgery, and I don't rule it out as an option. But the ones who are trying to hold on to that static image yeah. are often disappointed. Yeah. Well, the, the majority of women that I, I work with and I spend time as far as consulting with and so forth are, are women that just want to stay, stay sharp. They want to stay on their game. At any age, they're trying to find ways to feel vital, to feel passionate, uh, and to keep growing in, in many, many ways. And I, and I think maybe that sometimes is, gets confusing for women is, is that how do, you, how do you, you know, take these looks and, and these, this, these wonderful experiences and, and wonderful, uh, you know, talents that you've developed and, and then, turn, you know, spin them into this new, this new wonderful woman that you've become. And I think well, that's... part of it is, you know, being sad, too. I guess that's why when I'm listening to you, I'm saying, I love it when, you know, I hear the pep talk, and I give it too. Yeah. But with the pep talk requires people hearing you and saying, and I cannot deny the fact that there's some sadness that comes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. You know, I think the first time I looked at the title of your book, you know, face it, what what women really think is their 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 looks change, and and it really there is a certain sadness because I remember when I had freckles. I love my freckles. Yes. They were wonderful. Yes. I was cute. I had freckles. Uh-huh. I had blonde hair and uh-huh. cute little freckles, and people would laugh about them. They they, they would say they were cute, and I looked like so and so and so and so. And I thought that's wonderful. I don't, you know, at first I hated my freckles, but now yes. I'd love to have them back. Yes. I'd love to have them back. Sure. Well, you know, one of the things I also tell women then. Um, you know, you may not have freckles, and someone else may not have that, you know, smooth skin, and someone else may not have that, the lush hair. But there's two things that don't have to change, that are sort of your physical part of your physical being. And I, I remind them of this. I said one is if you look into the eyes of any woman at any age, they can remain sparkly. They can remain. They can stay. I mean, unless there's actually some damage to the eyes, eyes don't age. One part of your body that stays basically the same. Yeah. Now, around your eyes may have wrinkles, but if you look into someone's eyes, they can have a kind of vitality to them. And the other is your ability to smile. Right. Um, those are two facial aspects that when you don't see your freckles, look in your eyes and smile, and there'll be a piece of of who you were back then that remains. The other thing I, uh, the other physical feature that I tell people that doesn't change is your ability to stand tall. You have to work at that. But the ability to stand, if you take those three qualities, mm-hmm. vital eyes, a right. smile, and standing tall, mm-hmm. I think those are things that, you know, that you can wrap your yeah. your mind around and your body around. Yeah. If I if I maintain that, I could be a a classy looking lady. Uh huh. Well, isn't that also a way of, of continuing to say I'm visible? See me. I'm here in this yes. world. Yes. I'm important. And 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 again, this is what I've heard women say. You know, as I'm growing older, I feel invisible. So part of it is, what are you going to do about that? You know, like you said, your eyes, your smile. 
your personality, your delightful personality, and standing tall. Those are wonderful examples. And, and if you take the, the alternative, which is if you don't engage, if you don't engage with the world, that's what we do with our eyes, uh-huh. if you no longer have reason to smile, uh-huh. or if you allow your body to hunch, those are signals that you are disappearing. Yeah. And we don't have to give in to that. We're going to be living very long lives. And maybe, you know, our children will live even longer lives. Mm-hmm. And if we can show that next generation that even as we enter our 50s, 60s, 70s, into our 90s, that we have the ability to maintain beauty yeah. redefined. Well, and, and I think you said something very positive. in the 20s and 30s. It's defined that's appropriate for our age. Yeah. I think it becomes less of a pessimistic, sad topic, and it's something for us to all join together mm-hmm. and say, well, okay, well, <laughs> we're we finding, don't look the way we used to. Well, we're finding better role models, too, though, Vivian. I mean, we're looking at, we're looking at women because we, we need those women. I mean, again, our children need those women. Uh, our, their children will need women that they can look up to and say, this is what I want to want to be like when I get to be this age. This is Which what is I want to feel, like, feel in, like. In some ways, we're pioneers in this because up until now, I mean, for millions of years, let's remember, for millions of years, anthropologically, yeah. the role women played was to meet your mate, procreate, and then we died. Yeah, yeah. And it's only in the last 50 years that, we as human beings are living this long, so aging doesn't just go. <laughs> Better get used to it, haven't we? <laughs> age for a very long time now, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I still remember my personal trainer says most people didn't live to be on, beyond 50. I said, well, I guess we better work on that one, hadn't we? So. Well, but that's why when you mention we need more, you know, role models, I feel like we are the pioneers. Right. As role models. Right. There haven't been too many. I mean, I'm sure there's the occasional. Um, you know, woman <laughs> who's, who's out there who's now providing, you know, who's the actress? Uh, yeah. Betty White? Is that her name? Right. She's uh, wonderful. Yeah. You know, she's unique among how many. But I think what's happening, and I see this as, you know, Hollywood's responsibility because they're, they expose so many young people, there are more and more of the Annette Bennings and the. Um, and Julianne Moore's the people right. who are beginning uh, yeah. to uh, wear yeah, their age. Wonderful, pe- wonderful women coming yeah. out. Helen yeah. Mirren. Um, well, you know, we're going to have our princess parties, and we're going to have a lot of things in our society that, uh, again, uh, we'll have to teach our daughters about. I, n- I noticed you've got a, a daughter or two. I have three daughters, and I oh. have. No, I have three sons and one. <laughs> one girl, but you've got one three girl. daughters. Okay, well, I have three daughters, and I have uh, th- I have seven seven granddaughters. So, oh. um, the God has given me uh, a certain responsibility, but again, yes. hoping to make them keep them smart, keep them savvy, and but also have them understand that there's a lot more to their lives than the way they look. And being a princess is not. And the, the best message is by you doing what you're doing, which yeah. is staying at this, you know, age. You're be, you're continuing to sure. grow and staying, staying out there in the world and 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 trying yes. to keep a dialogue on what's going on and uh, having my daughters and my granddaughters do the same thing. Well, it's a wonderful topic. It's a book uh, very very important for our time. And and again, I I really kind of like the idea that that I'm a you and I are pioneers in this world of helping 
women of all ages really be, be their best, but yet understand that that is the process, and that we have to keep fighting society in the respects that you know we're much more than than beauty. Uh, our, I mean, our outside looks were, were a lot more than that. And that, but both, that both are important. You know, that's they important. they are very important, and, and I intend to look my very best at whatever age I that am. And, like uh, a really great and, and if challenge. there's some wonderful resources out there at, at hand, then, you know, choose to do those. But feeling healthy, feeling vital, I think is the most important thing for women. You know, that's yes. one thing we really talk a lot about as women speak is keeping your passion and finding your purpose and making a difference. And and darn it, yes, being a good role model for other women and helping other women do the same thing. So, yeah. well, how can they find more about you, your book, and so we can sure uh, get um, that book out to all these women? And, and uh, can... yes, I'd love I'd love to hear from people too. So I the book is uh, available on Amazon and Borders, um, but the easiest way to do that is probably going to go into my website. You can go through it either by www.viviandiller.com or through faceitthebook.com. It's a website. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also, uh, I, I have a column on Huffington Post where I keep the conversation going. Um, look for it in the living section and in psychology today. But uh-huh. um, I would love to hear from anyone. I, I give out my email you know, easily. If uh, you have a reaction or comment, I'm very interested in hearing from you. Well, it's a great topic, and it's an important topic. It's one that will... We're, we're going to continue to need to, well, we need to talk about it and keep it out there okay. as far as. Well, thank you so much for having me on your but, show. Uh, thanks for your time. And, uh, again, uh, I feel I feel honored to be a pioneer out there. So yes. let's, let's keep <laughs> well, up we, the good we, work. We're sharing the responsibility with all, yeah. all the uh, I'm, I'm out there with you, Vivian. Okay. We're doing the same thing together. But have a great day and, and continue so success much. in all things. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. Yeah. Bye-bye.